All your ecstasy in life is going to come from the inside. Welcome back to Breakthrough, Waking Up to the Real You. I am your host, Alejandra Vivanco. Thank you for joining me today. Remember to subscribe and share this episode. Spread the love. I'm also on Instagram, and you can follow me at alevivanco29. All the details are in the description box below. So chapter one is all about the life Edith knew before Auschwitz. And what I can see is that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, so in the whole story, of course, uh, the things she worried about pre-concentration camps was, you know, kind of like nonsense, probably, you know, boys and stuff like that. Obviously, I'm judging it. But we can all relate to her on some level her way of sharing her view of the world with us, I, I think it's fascinating because she comes across as a younger person who matured quicker than others her age. So her home life was not easy, yet she was always looking to balance things out, to keep the peace, and most importantly, to feel loved. She was told from a very young age that she was not enough whether that came from her father telling her, because she's the, the youngest of three, that he was expecting her to be a boy, or her mother constantly commenting on her looks. So this informed how she behaved and acted, and she was very focused on being the best at ballet and gymnastics because she knew she had control over her ability, as she says, to tighten her core and move her body flawlessly. So she says, I haven't yet learned that the problem isn't that my sisters taunt me with a mean song. The problem is that I believe them. I am so convinced of my inferiority that I never introduce myself by name. So I've been talking about this for so long. And I think it's important for us to, again, become aware of the fact that it's not about them, it's about you. And I know it may be tough because we like to blame people for the things they say and try to hold them accountable for their words, but nobody, and I mean nobody, can make you react or feel any type of way unless the belief is living in you. So let's break it down. And I, I'm going to use myself as an example. If I believe I am fat and that's wrong, Regardless of my weight, let's just, you know, because body dysmorphia and all that, I still have to deal with that. But if I believe that I'm fat and that being fat is wrong, then you calling me fat will make me feel the way it made me feel when my mom used to accuse me or taunt me and weaponize my body image against me. And in my experience, that meant that she didn't love me because I was not the image of the daughter she wanted me to be. I thought she was somehow being punished by a fat and ugly daughter who couldn't for the life of her lose weight. I have internalized, and my story is, my mother doesn't love me and never loved me because I was overweight, and of course that was my fault, even though unconsciously I used food as a way to soothe my pain more specifically sugary foods, and I found solace in sweets, and they were the only ones who made me feel good in an environment that bullied me constantly. 
I believed this narrative and I acted it out and I would punish myself constantly and repeat what I was told as insults because I couldn't live up to the image I was told I needed to look like. Therefore, you calling me fat triggers everything I just said. And it has nothing to do with you, person who called me fat, and it has everything to do with me. Because if I didn't believe that being fat is wrong or shameful, then I wouldn't have given you my power in that moment to make me react. And that reaction varies. We can call each other names. We can argue. We can fight. Or I can just walk away and cry. See how words are only powerful if we allow them to be. And they can hurt us, of course. Regardless, no one should insult us. But We cannot control people. We can only choose how we respond to the world. So here's another great quote. And uh, she says that she is, um, she overhears her parents talk while she's in the kitchen. And the quote is, we could have saved that one. That's the quote. That's what her father said. What she heard I am not good enough. There's no room for me. This is the way we misinterpret the facts of our lives, the way we assume and don't check it out, the way we invent a story to tell ourselves, reinforcing the very thing in us we already believe. So she believed she was not worthy of living. And she, she used the world as a way to back up her claim. We can twist and interpret things in our favor, favor us in support of our view of ourselves. And if she hadn't had that wound of inferiority, maybe these thoughts would have never crossed her mind. But the pain was always alive within her. So she heard what she wanted to hear and added another reason why she was worthless. And also that lights up the fire in her to keep getting better at the one thing she can control, movement. She continues, maybe every childhood is the terrain on which we try to pinpoint how much we matter and how much we don't a map where we study the dimensions and the borders of our worth. It's tough. It's tough because if you grew up in a in an environment where you were not your experience was that you were not loved or you had to do things to be loved or you had to play a role to be valued, then that really fucks you up. And so you go out into the world, you never, nobody ever challenges that narrative. You go out into the world and you basically just replicate that because you have learned from a very young age that if you do certain things, you get rewarded or you get to keep the peace. And if you do other things, then you are going to get punished, whether that's physically, mentally, or, you know, emotionally. So... The only way for us to let go of certain things and to heal certain things is by healing. And the only way to do that is to go back to the childhood era. I talk about it like it's an album, you know, the blackout era. 
But it's true. And that's how we reparent our inner child and how we help our inner child grow so that we don't hold on to the past because we're trying to, you know, protect ourselves. And I think that there's this idea that we may carry that it's not safe for us to feel or say certain things, but it is. And I think that if once we get comfortable with that, you know, um, idea that we can express our, our emotions and be true, truthful and honest. And I think everything else just, you know, kind of unravels on, on its own. So what we think of ourselves is found in our childhood and the answers are there. During our formative years, we have internalized many things. And one of them is who we think we are and what our value is. Those things are dependent on our relationship with the people we lived with, especially the relationship with we had with our parents, even if it's non-existent. It still affects us deeply and sets us up for life. So go back. I encourage you to take the time to go back in time. I know we're all busy. I know, you know, we may want to procrastinate, but eventually ask yourself if this is how you want to live your, li your life in your mind. What if the possibility of living a different life is found in the choice to go back and heal. What if it's not about the life you had, but what you did with it? And that's why she she finished, I, I'll finish this episode with this great quote that says, what's mine to do with the life I've been given instead of why did I live? And obviously she's a survivor and there's some sort of survivor's guilt and why me and why blah, blah, blah. But... What do we do with what, what we were given? And I think I've said this before, even if you believe that's just, it's not going to work for you or, you know, what you were given was nothing or less than nothing or it's all trash. Still, what are you going to do with it? Instead of dismissing or pushing it aside, what are you going to do with it? Everything that happened counts, I believe. So what do we do with it? With it? You know, you are given lemons, you make lemonade. What do you do with what happened? How do you find that purpose? Which is basically what I think our experiences point towards. What's the purpose of it? Because there is a meaning. There is a reason. Now, you don't have to analyze every single moment of your life. You just have to go back and feel. And then let everything else just... It's, it's going to come together eventually. So that's it. That's... Uh, that's the first chapter and I'll see you guys next week. And with that, I say till next time. Bye.